0: You would to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians and chapter 5. I want to go ahead and open in a word of prayer. And um, I want to specifically not only pray that God bless this morning's message and this time together, but uh, we have two families here represented uh, that have a mutual relative. Um, uh, Nancy's son, uh, Matt, is married to. Jenny's daughter, uh, Amy. Matt, tomorrow, is going to be undergoing open uh, o- uh, open brain surgery. Uh, Jim is very familiar with this procedure. Uh, he What was it, about five years ago? Yeah, about five years ago, he went through a very similar procedure. Um, so uh, Nancy told me this morning, possibly around 11 o'clock tomorrow, but... If you would be praying for Matt all day tomorrow, uh, I think it would uh, be very much appreciated uh, by the families. So uh, let's go ahead and and open in prayer and ask God to bless Dear Lord, uh, we are truly thankful and grateful for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, we look forward to uh, you speaking to our hearts this morning. That's why we're here. We're here so that our lives can be changed through the Word of God. But, Lord, uh, our hearts are heavy uh, as well for Matt this morning as he's uh, in the hospital awaiting this very uh, delicate procedure. Uh, uh, Brain surgery is never uh, something that should be taken lightly. And, Lord, I ask that you would uh, uh, be with the doctors, that you would guide their hands, the nurses, the anesthesia, everybody involved in the procedure, that you would just allow it to go off without a hitch, and that You would specifically use this in Matt's life to show Yourself strong. We love You and we thank You. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As I have been considering the theme this year, Striving Together, the biblical meaning of the phrase uh, strive together. uh, I imagine that as, as I have been talking about it now for, I don't know, five or six weeks that, you know, each of us, you know, this is the wonderful thing about people. You can make a statement like, like this. And many of us are going to have a different perspective of what we think it should be. Uh, 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 I, I imagine that uh, some of you, you know, when we talk about striving together for the faith of the gospel, that you you think that the church is in perfect harmony, and that all of us in the church are 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 striving together, everybody working toward a common goal, and and uh, people are enthusiastically uh, enthusiastically um, all going the same direction, and. and and is that true? Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, it would, it'd be great if it were true, but the reality is we all are going to struggle periodically with different things in our lives, and it's going to affect how we strive together as a group. As I have contemplated this theme and prayed over it uh, many, many, many hours, um, I, I've I've come to this realization, and, and, you, and when I say this, you might go, duh, but, you know, hey, I'm a little slow, it takes me time, you know, but the, the reality is this, what I've come to is this, in order for us as a church to strive together for the common goal of the gospel, we need to... <clears throat> recognize that there are areas in our lives outside the church that we need to make better. Does that make sense? Over the next couple of weeks, uh, probably three or four weeks, I'm going to be talking about subjects outside the church that we can all collectively work on so that when we come into the church we can all strive together for the same goal. Does, does that make sense? <clears throat> we're going to be talking uh, subjects like marriage, uh, the family, uh, friendship. One of the things we're going to be doing, uh, and, and let me say this before I go too much further. Friendship is something that, you, you know, on the surface we say, oh, I don't need any help with Friendship. Well, then then you are the unusual person because most people do friendships wrong. Just saying. Friendships are usually very selfish. Family is an important subject. It is so important that I believe it's in April, we're going to be having the first time uh, Grace Baptist Church is going to be having a, a family conference, family life conference. And it's going to be a Friday night, all day Saturday, and, and, and then the, the speaker is going to be speaking on Sunday as well. But if we don't have our homes right and in order and functioning properly, when we come into the church, we're, we'll have difficulty striving together. Does that make sense? We got to get our homes right. So, anyway, Ephesians in chapter 5. Let's start reading in verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you're going to do in our hearts and lives today. And Lord, I want to thank you for the word of God that can change lives. We love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, I don't get asked very often. You know, uh, hey, what are you preaching this Sunday? People just typically don't ask me that. But in the last few days, I've been asked by multiple people. We're getting worried. Yeah, it's like, man. You know, but Melanie asked me the other day, uh, I don't know, a couple days ago, she said, well, so what are you preaching on Sunday? You know, because she's down with the kids, so she never, <clears throat> she, she she can only listen to it afterward. And But anyway, I said, oh, I'm preaching on marriage uh, Sunday. She said, aren't you a week early? Because next Sunday is Valentine's Day. And then <clears throat> somebody else asked me, anyway, like I said, I've had multiple people, and I'm thinking, Am I a week early on this message? No. And then uh, the more I thought about it, I thought, no, it's actually. Isn't it more appropriate to preach on marriage the week before uh, Valentine's Day? Yeah, you know. So anyway, so here, double barrel, baby. Here we go. Uh, Now I do want to say this, and please, please get this, because I'm looking around and I'm seeing some young people, and I'm seeing some not married people, and. And and even though I'm preaching on marriage, the principles that I'm going to teach you this morning can be applied across the board. Okay? It, it, it's not just for married people. So, please understand that there are many many principles that you can that God can give you out of this message and I and I and I trust that he will. <clears throat> One of the things that I do when I when a, a couple comes to me that are, they're struggling with some issues in their marriage or uh, I, when I, I do premarital counseling for a couple, I will almost always say something to this effect. <clears throat> the advice that I'm about to give you comes from two places. The first place that it comes from is the Bible. The second place that my advice comes from is from all of the mistakes that i've made and trust me i've made a bunch of them my wife has a list we've all made mistakes you know it's just part of marriage it's part of it's part of being human we make mistakes Zig Ziglar. I don't know if you know who Zig Ziglar is, but he's a big promoter of of business and and uh, positive thinking and all that stuff. But anyway, in his book uh, entitled uh, "Homemade," he wrote this: "The evidence is convincing that the better our relationships are at home, the more effective we are in our careers. If we have difficulty with the with a loved one," that difficulty will be translated into reduced performance on our jobs. In, in a study, the Millionaires of America, uh, by US News and World uh, Report, a picture of the typical millionaire is an individual who, has, who worked eight to 10 hours a day for 30 plus years and is still married to his or her high school, or college sweetheart. A New York executive search firm in a study of 1,365 corporate vice presidents discovered that 87% were still married to their one and only spouse and that 92% were raised in a two-parent family. The evidence is overwhelming that the family is the strength and foundation of a society. Strengthen your family ties and you'll enhance your opportunity for success. Now, Zig Ziglar, I don't know if he's a believer or not. I have no clue if he is or not. and It doesn't really matter. But I believe with all my heart what he writes about business translates into the church. If we have strong families, we have strong marriages, we will have a strong church. We will have a strong nation as well. I want to say this. It's not in my notes. I do want to say this. I believe Satan has attacked our homes and is destroying the homes of our country, thus destroying our country. So, number one, point number one. Let's seek unity. Seek unity. <clears throat> let's go back to verse thirty-one. The very uh, first three three words of verse thirty-one says, "For this cause." For this cause, for what cause? At least that's what I when I when I read verses like this, the first thing I say is, okay, what is the cause? For this cause, man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and the two shall be one flesh. For what cause? For unity. I believe that the answer to this to to the question for what cause is answered in verse 21, go back up to verse 21. It says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Unity within the, within the couple. And I believe verses twenty two to thirty explain what that unity is. For this cause is the unity that we need in our in our in our families. As we look at the precious relationship between a husband and wife, God command commands unity. Verse 21 is not a suggestion or a recommendation. It is a command to submit to one another. The idea here is really is really simple. The word submit in verse 21 means to forfeit one's rights to another person. Now, we have to be really, really careful here because this, is, this, is, this can be misunderstood. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, it says, Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another and 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 i believe that these two verses are parallel in the fact can you imagine what a marriage would look like when you would instead of fighting over what you want fighting over no you take it no you take it no you take it. you know it would change everything if if i put my preferences aside voluntarily So that my wife's preferences would become forefront. And she would do the same thing. One of the most common fights that my wife and I get into. What do you want to eat? I don't care. You know, okay, let's stop right here. Back the bus up. This is a free commercial. Ladies, when a man says, I don't care, it literally means, I don't care. Okay? Just saying. If we don't care, it means we don't care. But I'll say, I don't care. And my wife will say, Well, what do you want? I don't care. You feed me, I eat it, I'm happy. You know, I mean it's really that simple. As long as as long as you're not feeding me gutter water, I'm okay. And the idea here is to prefer one another, to to put my desires aside so that she can accomplish her desires. And if she's putting her desires aside so that I can accomplish mine, you see, the, you see the unity involved. It's a wonderful thing. The slogan for every marriage should be we first, not me first. What do, what do I need to do in my relationship with my wife to make us Prosper. Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. Now again I want to I want to stop here and I want to I want to make one thing really really plain. I'm going to read my own notes here because I don't want to mess this up. Unity is not one-sided. Hello? Can I get somebody to agree with me, okay? Okay. <clears throat> Unity is not one-sided. It is both parties working together. Not one person giving ever to giving into everything and the other getting everything. it is called selfishness. Unity is both people working together for the common goal. It's not if it's one-sided, it's called selfishness. We need to Seek unity. This next one is probably the most important. Point number two. Understanding God's pattern. Understanding God's pattern. Let's read verse 22 and following. Wives, Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the Lord is the head of the, excuse me, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wife be subject unto her own husband in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought every man to love his wife as their own body, even... That, uh, excuse me, he that loveth his uh, wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bone. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you particular so love his wife even as himself, that his wife see that she reverence her husband. Often in my premarital counseling, and and occasionally in my marriage counseling but mostly in the premarital counseling i get to this passage and i read this word submit and and oftentimes particularly young young women will bristle and In 21st century English, this word bristle has a rough meaning. But before we talk about this word, I want to talk about God's creation. Because in order to understand the word submit, you need to understand God's creation. I know my next statement is probably going to catch you off guard. So I want, I want you to hold on to your seat. Okay? Because this next statement, you're going to go, whoa! Okay? I'm just warning you. You ready? Men and women are different. Okay? Now I, I told you it's going to catch you off guard. And, 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 and the political climate that we're in, what I just said is not politically correct. But men and women are different. And, and as, as, as hard as the world wants to teach you, we're the same. We're not. God made us different. Okay? And that is essential to understanding God's pattern. We are different physically and emotionally. And we should celebrate that difference, not discriminate against it. Okay? Neither is better than the other. Now, I want to say this. And again, this is not in my notes. It's just something that I I want to share with you. God made Eve from what? Adam's rib. Okay? He did not make her out of a, one of his foot bones. Because that would then symbolize, then he would have the right to to trample on her. He did not make her from a bone out of his head, because then that would symbolize the fact that then she could then rule over him. But she made him out of a rib bone that makes her equal. Just because you're different does not mean you are not equal. Let me say that again. Just because you are different does not mean you are not equal. I'm going to keep saying this until we get it. Just because we are different does not mean we are not equal. Okay. Man, you guys are slow. Y'all ever heard of a, a, some, a lady named uh, Abigail Van Buren? Yeah, yeah. Anybody know who, who, who is Abigail Van Buren? Dear Abby. Dear Abby. Okay, she is the real name of the person behind the, the article, Dear Abby. Yeah. And she said the most common letter that she ever ever received, this is, this is the statement that she received more than any other statement. My wife doesn't understand me. <laughs> and and all the men said Amen. Now, how many of women have said the same thing? Amen. Exactly. Amen. <clears throat> now, I want to look at the word submit. The word submit in verse 21. We talked about that is to forfeit one's rights to another person. The word submit in verse 22 does not mean that. It is a completely different Greek word. It means to respect. Wives, submit. Wives, respect. So God is telling wives the thing that your husband needs most is respect. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So, if respect is the thing that your husband needs, husbands, love is the thing that your wife needs. I mean, it's pretty simple. God made us different. So we need different things. My wife needs love. And I need respect. I have a a book in my library that I would highly recommend that you get. I don't care how long you've been married. It's an excellent book. It's called Love and Respect by Emerson Egrich. I, I, I may have said his name wrong, but anyway, <clears throat> it doesn't matter. I don't think he'll be upset at me. It is a great book. In his book, Love and Respect, he talks about the crazy cycle. Now, I have a picture for you. <clears throat> and this is the crazy cycle. And I'm going to read you a portion out of his book he says as i pondered god's clear command not a suggestion but a command i under i uncovered what i came to call the love and respect connection i am commanded to love sarah that's his wife because she needs love in fact she speaks love Love is the language she understands. But when I speak to her in an unloving way, her tendency is to react with disrespectful words. Sarah is commanded to respect me because I need respect. In fact, I speak respect. Respect is the language I understand. But when she speaks to me in disrespectful ways, my tendency is to react in unloving words. Round and round we go in the crazy cycle. Each saying things that were the expected opposite of what was needed. The crazy cycle is summed up this way. Without love, She reacts without respect. Without respect, he reacts without love. Life gets insane when a husband says to himself, I'm not going to love that woman until she starts showing me respect. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever thought that? Likewise, the madness Reigns when the wife says to herself, I'm not going to show that man a, a respect until he earns my respect and starts to love me the way he should love me. And the same goes for the ladies in the room. Then he gives a word picture here that I think is a an incredible way to illustrate what the point that he's trying to get. It says, realize that your wife needs love, just like she needs to breathe air. Picture, if you will, that your wife has an air hose leading to the love tank. When her husband steps on her air hose or pinches it with some uh, way uh, of unloving behavior, he will see her deflate before his eyes. He is stepping on her air hose and she is crying out, I feel unloved by you right now. Why are you doing this to me? On the wife's side of the love and respect equation, she should picture her husband with his own air hose leading to the respect tank. As long as her respect is flowing through her, uh, excuse me, as long as uh, her respect is flowing through uh, his air hose, he is fine. But if she starts to pinch or to cut off his air hose with sharp, critical remarks, his supply of respect will leak and be cut off. And he will react negatively because his deepest need is not being met. When either spouse's air hose is cut off in some way, the other will respond in kind. Both air hose, excuse me, both air hoses shut down and the battle or the crazy cycle is on. Now, if you've been married more than 15 or 20 minutes, you know exactly what I just read is true. We can say some of the meanest, most harsh things. My wife knows what buttons she can push to send me into orbit. Within, I mean, within seconds. And I know her buttons. And what happens? Life happens. A button gets pushed. Well, I'm going to push one of your buttons, and the next thing you know, the fight is on. Have you ever, well? I know you have. Everyone's heard the the phrase "opposites attract." Why is that? Have you ever thought about it? It's because we're different. God made us different. So the things that are lacking in my life, my wife supplies, and the things that are lacking in her life, I supply in her life, and then we become one. Look at verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak (coughs) concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife that she reverence her husband. Paul calls this union a great mystery. I can't explain what happens. I cannot explain that God does something miraculous in our lives. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Number one, striving together in marriage number 1 seek unity number 2 understand God's pattern and then number 3 follow God's principles now I want to talk about three three principles this morning that I believe are essential really in any relationship but particularly in a marriage relationship three very profound principles that we find in scripture the first one we see in verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Letter A, first the first one, is devotion to each other. Devotion to each other. The word flesh here literally means tissue. They shall be one tissue the word join here literally means to be glued together two different people being glued together to become one and as i <clears throat> as i thought about this <clears throat> i thought of a a hopefully a clever way to illustrate the point here Here we have two separate pieces of wood. Okay. Now, what does it mean to glue together? Well, I I I could have come up with some wood glue and a clamp, and you know the problem with most glues it takes a long time to dry and to so it'd be kind of hard to illustrate, but I have this really cool glue. (laughs) <laughs> it's called CA glue, by the way. <clears throat> but put it together. Oh, well, there goes that illustration. There. Well, <laughs> it's supposed to stick. Let me let me try it again. This is this is. Uh. All right, I'm going to do this again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. All right, let's see. Let's see if it does it this time. But anyway, totally blew my illustration. So 2 become one. The day was January 2nd, 1980. My mom and dad were there, in fact. It was the day we got married. 39, little over 39 years ago. The moment we said, I do, God took his CA glue and glued us together. I'm really trying, okay? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Finally, okay? God put us together. What a what a incredible picture that God has for us. It's called devotion. Being devoted to my wife solely. The second thing I'd like to talk about, number letter B, is the word cherish. Cherishing each other. Having devotion to one another and cherishing one another. Look at verse 29. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord the church. I cannot think of the word cherish without thinking about a very dear friend of mine. Some of you may remember, some of you may not. They've been gone for a long time. But there used to be a couple that came to our church. His name was Don, and her name was Nola. Don and Nola were some really, really precious people that God brought into our church. And Nola Nola became uh, consumed with uh, Alzheimer's or dementia, and she she had the type of dementia or Alzheimer's that that was very fast moving, and she was declining quickly. And Don felt that it was important that they move back to California where. Uh, she could be around her family and so on and so forth so they they moved back to California that's why they haven't been in our church for many years but Don called me one day and he was crying and I said what's what's going on Don he said I I had to put her in a home I couldn't I couldn't take care of her anymore and he was just he was just crying on the phone and he, he explained to me what had happened. And she she literally almost tried to kill him because she just wasn't there. And I said, Don, you did the right thing. And that was like on a Thursday or Friday. And so on Monday, Melanie and I packed up and we went to California and we, we, we went to visit him for a couple of days to just kind of check on him and make sure he was okay. And we got to his house uh, late that on Monday. We got there late, and we walked in, and I, I, right there in the in the entryway of his house, as soon as he opened the door and he saw us, he he just started crying. I mean, sobbing like a baby. And <clears throat> Melanie walked over to him and hugged him, and. It, the two of them just stood there, and he, he, he had to have cried for a, a good 10 minutes, just uncontrolled sobbing. And he got, he got his composure, and he, he looked at me, and I'll never forget this. He looked at me, he said, he said, Pastor, cherish your wife. And then he said I have not always cherished Nola. And then he lost it again. And a good 10 or 15 minutes later he got his composure and he said Pastor I need to explain to you what I meant by that. He said I want you to understand Nola and I have always loved each other. We have always always been faithful to each other there's never been a question of that he said it wasn't until just a couple of years ago that i learned to cherish my wife i've always loved her but i haven't always cherished her I have since had many conversations with Don about that, that night. There's a difference between loving and cherishing. And we love ourselves. We, we cherish ourselves but do we cherish our spouses? Are they the most important thing? As I stood there in the entryway of his house, watching this man absolutely beside himself over having to have put his wife in a nursing home, because he could no longer take care of her. I could see in his face something that I'd never seen before. And that is the the look of someone who absolutely cherished someone else and was unable to take care of her any longer. Do you cherish each other? And then the last thing that I want to talk about this morning, letter C, compassion for each other. Do you have compassion for each other? Jude 22, you can pick the chapter, doesn't matter. Jude 22, and some have compassion. Making a difference. The word compassion means to have mercy. I see a lack of compassion, a lack of mercy a lot in our homes. I get really really disturbed when <clears throat> a spouse will say something that is unkind about their their spouse or they kind of blow it off oh i'm just joking you know let 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 me let me say something here in every quote unquote joke there's always a little bit of truth. Be careful what you say. Look at verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God you know if we will devote ourselves cherish each other and have compassion for one another verse 21 will take care of itself <clears throat> i want a, a little side note here i want to i want to help you with something and and this is theologically really really deep okay All three of the principles that I mentioned devotion, cherishing, and compassion all three of those are choices that we make. Isn't that deep? They're all choices. And I'm here to tell you that if we as individuals will work on our marriages, and our relationships. We as a church can accomplish the goal of striving together for the gospel. I'm always nervous when I preach a message like this, particularly on a Sunday morning because of the mixed crowd here. But I said it at the beginning, I want to say it again. All of the principles that I shared with you this morning, every one of them, can be used in every area of your life, in your family, in your marriage, at work, your friendships. I mean, you name it, these principles are true outside of marriage and inside of marriage. Let me close with this. When Melanie and I were married, I don't know, probably about four years, somewhere in there. Someone asked me, Do you love your wife? That's a stupid question. Of course I love my wife. The individual then asked me, well, then why do you never talk about her? And I started thinking about it. And I thought, you know, he's right. I made it a point to talk about my wife whenever I could. Every opportunity I had. And you know what I found? The more I talked about her, the more I fell in love with her even more. And the more I fell in love with her, the more I wanted to talk about her. The company that I worked for in at the time, I worked there five years, I drove truck for the company. And <clears throat> um, kind of a long story, but um, Melanie and I moved, w- w- that was in Southern California. And Melanie and I moved back to South Carolina to, to be with her dad, because he was getting older. And um, <clears throat> uh, the border patrol raided the company I used to work for. And a friend of mine, worked for the border patrol and he was an auditor and what he would go in and audit all the books and make sure, you know, the documentation and everything was right and so on and so forth. Anyway, so he was, he was in the office doing this audit and one of the girls that works in the office, he made a comment. This is about a a year and a half after uh, I had left the company. And he said, hey, you know, a friend of mine used to work here. Oh, really? Who's your friend? He says, oh, Rick Lynn. Oh, yeah, I know Rick. And uh, he said, oh, really? <clears throat> and uh, she said, you know, the one thing I remember about him more than anything? And uh, he said, no, what was that? And, and that's what he said. He said, he really loved his wife. He, he talked about his wife all the time. And he called me after he got home that afternoon. He called me and he told me that story. And I praise God for that. What is your relationship like? Let me let me say this. How much do you talk about Jesus? If Jesus is something that periodically comes up or hardly ever comes up, you need to check your relationship. Because the more you talk about him, the more you love him. The more you love him, the more you talk about him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. <clears throat> And Lord, I just ask as we bring our service to an end that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge us. And Lord, excuse me, our homes are in desperate need. And Lord, I ask as we Come to you in prayer that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, that you would help us to be more like you in everything that we say and do. Lord, we we need you. Desperately, we need you. Help us. With every head bowed and every eye closed. The invitation this morning is very, very simple. Has God spoken to your heart this morning? It could be something, I I don't know what it could be. I talked about a lot of stuff this morning. It could be anything. But is God challenging your heart this morning over something? If He is, and you would like me to pray for you, you, just lift your hand and I'll see it and I'll pray for you. Amen. Amen. Could be this morning that someone here would say, Pastor, the truth is God has spoken to my heart, but it is the fact that I need Jesus in my life. I've never been saved, but I need to be. Is there anybody would say, Pastor, would you pray for me that I might know Christ? If that's you, just lift your hand and I'll pray for you as well. Lord, you know our hearts. You know the heart behind every hand that was raised, every life represented here this morning. And Lord, there's not one of us, there is not one of us that doesn't need you in our lives. We desperately need you. And Lord, we just ask that you would continue to do a mighty work in our lives. That you would help us. Lord, we we need you. Help us, dear God, to serve you with our lives. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.